Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. In this episode, we talk about platform teams and the challenge of building effective, productive platform teams how to form them, what their mission should be, what type of tools and dangers they have in putting them together. Uh, we really start by questioning if there are such things as platform teams and what roles they have and how they can go awry in modern organizations. But at the end, we recognize that they do and can provide a very important role. And in the conversation, we will discuss and you will learn the right ways to form a platform team. I can't decide if it's a hot buzzwordy topic, if it's a necessary thing. I, I was on the platform team's bandwagon a year ago, and then it felt like nobody wanted to talk about it. And now it feels like people want to talk about it again. So well, can you define it? fiction? <laughs> <laughs> since since uh, I can guess what that means. Well, there's there is an element of confusion because some people consider platform teams uh, teams that are focused on building and maintaining platforms like Kubernetes. So, so in some people's definition of platform teams, it would be a um, separation between the ops team, the dev teams, and then there's a team that's running Kubernetes for them. Um, which is not the way I typically think of it, but although I've heard that as a definition, that what I hear platform teams is a re it's not, it's not exactly a reconstitution, but it's it's this idea of systems administration, DevOps, yeah. infrastructure teams turning into a more service bureau oriented focus and then becoming a um you know, your ops and automation teams for an organization. And so it's I, like, it's IT from the eighties. Um, yeah. I was going to say, that sounds like what I used to do when I was an IT manager. <laughs> I, well, I think part of what we're trying to do and what I've seen, cause uh, I've been reading here about this is, is platform teams, unlike IT in the eighties or nineties, um, doesn't get to become a choke point and they, they can't control things. So part of what the platform teams are doing is they're trying to create consistency and governance and repeatability and, and offload infrastructure and ops from their dev teams without becoming, um, you know, wow. central IT again. <laughs> I think that's what people are using platform teams to describe. So sometimes I see center of excellence mentioned and it's a, it's a you know, center of practice or center of excellence. Sometimes they're trying to do tools and, and consolidate things for companies. It's all over the map, which is why it's okay. what I'm talking about. So, so I think a friend of mine worked at Target for a while. And I think okay. Target has something like that, which has turned into the the old problem of the old IT and that they own the platform, what all the applications go on and whatnot. They own the hardware up to certain levels of infrastructure's code. And the mm -hmm. problem my friend had at uh, Target is that they, they own the opinionated platform. So you had to do the opinionated version of stuff, which is fine. But 
they still weren't responsive like a new team. They weren't particularly agile. And they decided they were going to rewrite OpenStack because they could do it better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had we had a team in Verizon who did that. The, the, uh, the leader, John Constine, is now working for IBM. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, one of the trend lines I see and I hear in our customers is they are, in a lot of cases, trying to build a centralized platform team or a centralized platform product, a self-service portal. Um, and I've definitely seen some of our customers doing exactly that. They're building a, they usually, they call it Gaia or Pangea or Uber or whatever, right? There's always some like where they think they're going to create the super portal. Well, I, I can I can address that because Verizon's struggling with that right now, right? Um, because you know we don't write software particularly. I mean, we have certain tools that we create, but they're usually wrappers around other tools, and we're struggling with you know customers want these portals. Um, and like the big buzzy customer that we're getting, you know, our sales team is always comparing and saying, well, hey, you know, our customers are saying Cato is fan- fabulous and they have this great portal and you can do all this NAS stuff if you go in to Cato. Yep. And so, you know, we're trying to say, okay, what can we build that does better than Cato? Because we know what Cato does. It's all kind of smoke and mirrors. That that allows us to tie, you know, uh, give the customers the tools to be able to, you know, make changes to their networks without like totally screwing things up. <laughs> I, you, you just, I think you just hit the key, right? The, the, the horse has left the barn on self-service. So whatever people are doing, it has to enable teams to have self-service. You can't overgovern. Right. And and yet the I think the balance is you have to provide governance so that you can govern. And you also have to reduce toil because there's a lot of teams out there that are Terraform to me is the classic, classic one. They're writing their own Terraform scripts and being like, ooh, that was easy until it all of a sudden wasn't. And now I need somebody who has real expertise here. Um yeah, and that that's right. Part of the platform teams, I think, that's been missing in market is that you actually have to have a recognition that there's expertise in the ops side. Absolutely, there's expertise in the ops side. I mean, we have you know a couple hundred or a couple thousand people who that's what they do. They're experts in this stuff, right? <laughs> I Klaus, yeah. you want to say something? I, I do. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm thinking that uh, again, like uh, thinking very much along, along the same lines as, as you are here, Rob. Like with with uh, with the um, with the Terraform uh, equivalency, is that um, I th- I think platform teams are a necessity of scale. Like mm-hmm. startups don't necessarily need a platform team. Um, and that's also why you, I think, you see that divide in discussion is that there's there's two clear 
demographics, one that does need a, a platform team and one that fi finds themselves suddenly needing a platform team. Um, and the, the, ma the main thing, I, again, here, going back to analogy with, with, with Terraform, is that the platform team provides opinionated abstraction that is tailored to their to their dev teams. So the the in in a sense that the, the platform team is a solution architect uh, type of uh, mm -hmm. team in, in that they they take this the the requirements from from their in, internal clients the devs and they, they match them to what they can provide in terms of solutions and then provide the minimum viable solution for that. Um, so it it's a it's a matter of reducing complexity for the for their their, their internal clients uh, while maintaining reasonable flexibility. So you just opened up a ton of questions for me. Does does the platform team need to run the like is the platform team responsible for running the infrastructure? You're describing something that's almost a center of excellence. It's like, here's the tools, here's what we think. And then are they, do they get out of the way or do they, do they keep operational control? That's a question of governance. I, 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 don't, I like it could go either way, depending on the, the requirements of the, the, the company. Mm -hmm. Um, like I yeah. myself consider, go ahead, but oh, I was going to say different company. I mean, you know, Verizon's a very, very operationally oriented company for obvious reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like it, 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 it depends on on whether you you need so what like what like what level of auditability you need, for example. Like if everything need, need needs to be uh, vetted by a. Uh, by a committee, then of course the platform team is going going to be the one maintaining uh, the infrastructure because don't want developers going going and making changes. If you're in a more flexible environment where where everything's more it was allowed to be more self served, certainly you're, you're going to gravitate towards that. Uh, but ultimately, the, the the platform team is it, it doesn't have to maintain the, the infrastructure. It can if they want but they maintain the knowledge they're they're, they're the equivalent of the of the traveling sages that that, that go from town <laughs> to town sharing what they've learned but but and i i think that that's to me that's the center of excellence model which makes a ton of sense right you're you know no team is going to want something forced on them they you need to have somebody's who's bringing value in with their, with their recommended ways. Um, it doesn't hurt to have a corporate behind you that says, you know what, you, you think you should follow this advice. And if, if you don't agree, then you're, it's, you're going to have to explain why you don't want to do it. Um, but with FinOps and stuff like that, I, I, I think that it goes more than following their advice. That, that, this is sort of where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to reason out what the right balance is with this, because you, you, Telling people they have to use tools or platforms is is not very good. But at the same time, your sage advice isn't useful if you have to learn somebody's bespoke 
choices when you show up at the team. So there's an element of, hey, we've got this platform team. They're really good at ops. They really understand um, Terraform or Ansible or networking or DNS or certificates or, you know, right. You actually want to be able to hire somebody who can do that secrets management. But if they, every team they walk into is doing whatever they wanted to do without any standard, then the sage is not very sage like. Right. If right. every team is doing what, what they want to do and on, on, on there is no governance to tie them together, then you don't need a platform team. The, like the, 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 the mm. platform team allows you to homogenize your, your tasks. If, you, if, you're, if your teams have no intention of homogenizing, then there's no point in having a platform team. <laughs> so can they... I mean, they, there's a resistance to homogenizing, and then there's, I think, there's an anti-heterogeneity, an accidental heterogeneity, which is where I think most, I think most teams right now are not at war with each other intentionally, you know, creating a non-homogeneous system. They're, they're doing it because they, they don't know. And that, that's right where you're going with the sage wisdom. It's like, you know what? There's two choices here. If you had chosen B instead of A, then we'd have three teams doing B okay. instead, of, right? Uh, and that that actually, I think, is a hugely valuable thing for companies, especially. Yeah, and, and this is also why I'm I'm, I'm I, I described it uh, as providing opinionated solutions as opposed to prescriptive solutions. Yeah. Like it, it, it's been saying, like you want to use Kubernetes, great. Here is a solution for that. Go, go ahead and use it. If, if, like, if you follow these steps, we do 90% of the work for you. We're not going to tell you that you have to do it because there might be some case right. where, where there, there's an exception, in which case we will try to tailor the solution to fit that case. Um, but uh, yeah. but again, it's, it's opinionated. And Huawei, as a huge company, was trying to do that the last group I was in was a group that was not part of any of the uh, product silos. And what its task was, was to find the uh, uh, best in breed and the best practices and whatnot and document them and roll out those documents and other collateral to the rest of the company so that the rest of the company could take advantage of it and use the same processes. Now, how successful they were, not all that successful, but if anyone was willing to actually step up and use that stuff, they had a pretty decent roadmap. So uh, I don't know if they've gotten more successful. Uh, the issue is that they had lots of empire builders in, in Huawei. <laughs> Very militaristic empire builders in Huawei. <laughs> well, Huawei had some other problems too. <laughs> yeah, but but they actually did have a department that specifically was out there to find the best in breeds and document them and provide them as a roadmap to the rest of the company. I mean, it, 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 it's also important to consider that whatever solution a platform team Come, comes up with 
it, it doesn't need to be set in stone. And, and I think that's where a lot of companies falter and, and they'll say like, okay, we have this no solution. Everybody switch over to that. No, it's not going to work like that. Um, it, I mean, e- even if you don't completely switch to the new solution, like even if you just adopt some of, some of the principles of that solution, you're still very far ahead of, of where you were before. So, you, yeah. Challenge with that is now you have two solutions that you have to care and feed for. Yeah, but your sages don't care and feed for your solution. They only care and feed for the best of breed solutions. But, but a lot of a lot of times when people build this stuff, they don't they 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 assume they're going to force homogeneity in things, which is impossible. And so they don't account for um, the fact that even if you have even if you can for, coerce people to using the same platform, their use cases can be different enough. Yeah. That that the platform team ends up maintaining variations within the system that that ultimately, to Martez's point, create multiple versions. Right. And the the problem with a lot of these platform teams is you need the feedback loops. You need to be able to identify when somebody, one of the groups comes up with something that works better, listen to them and feed it back to everybody else. And that's where a lot of it falls down. The feedback loop doesn't exist once you get that centralized team. Well, they they have strong disincentives to tolerate the the n plus one. This is this is the challenge, right? If you're building a platform team, you better be ready for the fact that the thing that you picked for your platform team will may not be the long term solution, right? You you have to actually be working to sustain and optimize and obsolete yeah. some of the stuff you're doing. Uh, absolutely, and, and and that's also why I think. That uh, like going back to Martez's comment about well having to support more than one solution, I don't think that's necessarily bad. It it should be a sliding scale. Uh, one solution may be uh, like maybe becoming more popular. Another one may be getting sunset, but it also means that you don't have all all of your eggs in one basket. Right. In theory, I love that in practicality <laughs> or enterprises are facing it right now, more so from a skills standpoint. Enterprise organizations are everybody's Kubernetes, Kubernetes containerization, but you still got a quote unquote legacy environment that is composed of bare metal, composed of VMware, OpenStack, Nutanix. And it's in many cases, a wildly different skill set. So now do I have to keep a full staff for my visualization and my bare metal and now try and hire and chase the the startups to try and compete for top tier Kubernetes talent? And I, I think it's becoming untenable for many large organizations. That's a great point. Wouldn't the platform team allow them to consolidate some of that knowledge? So instead of having to have each team, I mean, this is this to me is my thought, right? Wouldn't the platform teams, you'd hire one great Kubernetes person, and then they would hopefully be able to train and service, you know, a whole bunch of all your other Kubernetes work. I guess it could get frustrating for them if you're. So I think the pro- problem is, I think we, in many cases, think it's a very easy jump 
to just go from, so I'll, I'll take VMware as an example. All of their events are talking about Kubernetes and Tanzu. Yeah. All of the all of the traditional virtual infrastructure admins just you should just learn Tanzu and Kubernetes. Why aren't you learning Kubernetes fast enough? Um, and, and it's it's a, a different paradigm and different really interest in many cases from those that are, are in Kubernetes. And so we start to get into while they're both in operations as we would typically think of it as, but it's as almost as wildly different as you're not going to ask a database administrator to, to handle your firewalls or your networks. Mm. And, and I think we think it's, it's so interrelated that I think we just think people should naturally be able to make that transition. There's another issue that I think with platform teams is um, I don't know how much, you know, your backgrounds are. I have a, both an operational and a development background and, you know, people who are operations people have just very different mindsets. Um, they're not developers. Uh, and they just don't think that way. Um, you know, they use tools. Don't, don't get me wrong, but they don't consider, you know, and they write tools too. But what they don't, they don't consider writing tools to be development. They just think, oh, I'm just trying to make my life easier by, by uh, automating some of my boring tasks. Right. The the mindset's very different. And most more of the operational folks are system folks. Mm-hmm. So they have a systems perspective, which is also hard to translate across. And yeah. they're not going to understand the developers particularly much because the developers are just so laser focused and they don't care about anything but their stuff and how it works. <laughs> so, yeah, it's there is that aspect of uh the platforms is, is part also, of this sorry rocky go ahead well one of the things i was going to say about uh you're hiring the kubernetes act expert and then training up everybody is that if you only hire one kubernetes expert that person will never have time to train because they'll always be in firefight mode <laughs> well and that gets back to my earlier comment the kubernetes expert now is going to be a developer <laughs> Um, I, I, we ran into this in OpenStack in the early days of OpenStack, Rob. You probably remember this. The early OpenStack people were all a bunch of developers. That's right. Oh, yeah. And there, was, and there were no operations people. I remember being in San Francisco and sitting in a, you know, where, you know, somebody was going on and on about, you know, how great this new OpenStack thing was. And I got up and said, I'm an operations person. How the hell are you going to support this thing? Yes, I, no, I, that's, there's an element and what you all are talking about is where my question was going to go is like, because we, we went through this with site reliability engineering also. And it's funny, Klaus was talking about startups and, you know, startups definitely have SRE teams in some way, and maybe SRE teams or prototype platform teams um, or prototype platform teams. But, you know, are we just talking about companies saying, I need, and you know, I need better operations control. The developers don't certainly don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I need my ops pros to have authority to demonstrate that knowledge. Yeah. Well, um, interestingly, when when net devops started becoming popular and people started talking about it, I can't tell you how many of my old buddies who were, you know, sysadmins back in the 1990s all of a sudden found they were very popular. <laughs> 
because yeah. admins from that period, which I was one of them, um, you got to do everything because, you know, there was nobody else out there to do it. And um, so, you know, so those are the people that have the skills. Now, now most of them are retired. Um, but, you know, developers don't have system sysadmin skills. They're not interested in sysadmin skills. So although, make, but although they keep trying to make the developers get sysadmin <laughs> skills. And so that's right. part of the issue. You get this weird kind of hacked together stuff because they learn just enough to write a piece of code that does the stuff they don't want to do. Well, that's that's one of the interesting uh, to me fallacies on infrastructure as code is that developers hear about infrastructure as code. They think they're going to develop the infrastructure stuff, put it in a Pulumi, create Pulumi or Terraform scripts. And, um, you know, and that's that's the end of the day when, you know, I, it's helpful, but I, I don't think it's actually operational. No, it's not. <laughs> it it's part of, of the operational aspect, but it's not the full journey. Um, but it, it's basically like it's it's day one operations, not day two. Yeah, yeah. And, and this goes back to you know, what, what Beth was saying about OpenStack. I pushed for, for years, a take a developer to work uh, program <laughs> for OpenStack where you would invite some developer from OpenStack to come and spend a day with your operations team. Yeah. And, and the developers weren't interested in it. The operators loved the idea. The developers weren't interested. <laughs> right. It's it's the feedback loop is very slow and hard. And this is part of the, the challenge with ops work is that the, the, the effort it takes to create good process. And this is one of my challenges with platform teams. I, I mean, just for the record, I think companies should be investing heavily in platform teams if they can find the people and the leadership and executive buy-in to do it, because I think it, it would help them in process and governance tremendously. Right. Well, I, I a, there's a huge but, though, which is, you know, you if it slows down development teams, they're going to get end run. If it's not providing, right, it's like there's, I, I don't know how to help that team become successful. So uh, let me add some perspective from Verizon's perspective. Because we, sure. I mean, so we're heavily operational. And we do have, on our operations side of the house, I mean, we don't write code, right? So we don't have to deal with the development teams too much. But um, on the operations side of the house, we have a whole team that does nothing but process improvements related to operational aspects and that includes some writing of code some some you know just looking at the processes and and making sure that they're efficient and all this and the people that they use are generally senior operational people who've been in the trenches in the knock for you know x number of years and then they get promoted into this team and they do these kinds of operational improvement types of things we don't hire people from outside to do any of this stuff right because <laughs> you need intimate knowledge of all those OSS and BSS systems to even think that you can do it. Very hard environments, yeah. It's extremely difficult environments. And in many ways, I think those are actually platform teams, but we don't call them that. 
I think they are. I mean, Martez, you were going to make a comment. I, I don't want to take the thunder from you. No, it, it was just a, a, along the, the lines of the, the same classic challenges that uh, the in particular the enterprise is dealing with are going to continue to crop up as it relates to the operations side, the, the manner in which it's going to be viewed, plus also the facts of being viewed constantly as a cost center. <laughs> um, which I'm strongly opposed to that that term and that wording, both from a classification standpoint, but also the human aspect of getting to the point of, in essence, when you really boil it down to basically saying people, these people are costing the company money, um, not so much actually providing value to the organization. Um, but it, in the case where there's always going to be more developers or, or more in consumers, then the operations team is always going to be behind and effectively, I think more and more is going to be run, run around, so to speak. Could, could some of this be addressed by having like repeatable patterns in practice? Like, because one of the things that, that strikes me is what you're saying is that those teams, if they're not, if they're, if everybody has to make it up and there's no, like, yeah, okay, we know how to do this. You should do it this way. <laughs> then you're, the scenario you're describing is, is where we are. But what if we started having standardized process or at least cons- like, like it, so best know. practices like ITIL? Well, more of, oh God. Yeah. The, consumer, the consumer has to be willing to adapt, ad- adopt it. So I literally thought about this the other day is, Typically, in enterprise organizations or a lot of organizations, they'll get something that's off the shelf and say, you know what? This doesn't quite fit the way in which I want to do it. And so then they do something custom and we end up in this. Everybody's doing their own thing. Everybody's a snowflake versus you look at things like various managed services and and things in which you don't have the control. Are you willing to just accept what comes out of the box and say, you know what? Yeah. We're good with this. I think that's where people are development teams. This is this to me is part of the the this is actually a nice segue because right now development teams have a lot of power. They don't want to mess with learning how to operate and process it. And so they've outsourced a lot of things to services, but not consistently to the same services or in a consistent way. And now companies are like, whoa, wait a second, I've I'm relying on this thing to you know, run and I don't have billing control. I don't have operational control. I don't have network. I don't have like, there's all these issues. And so they're trying to figure out how to fix that operational challenge. So it sort of feels to me, but they need to come back to, you know, we're not going to have, you know, we got here with like VMware and Oracle, no, not VMware, but like databases, like there's, teams that run databases because they know how to run databases and nobody's nobody's like oh i'm going to figure all this stuff out myself they say all right here we have a team of people who are pros at it they're really important systems we're going to let them do it um yeah but it took a long time to get there i mean i think i think there was two things related to databases that got us there first of all you know big big honking databases um are are very costly to move, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the gravity. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so there's a lot of data gravity. Uh, you know, I'll use an example from Verizon. Verizon has a database that probably dates, I'm thinking from the mid-1980s, that we use that's our customer database. And it has a lot of information about our customers in it. Um, and it's based, you know, and, and there's a, a ton of stuff that's around it, but the core database it's never going to get moved because it would cost millions of dollars to move it for no good benefit, right? But it's but we're also stuck with sort of the 1980s way of thinking about things. And, and you know, we have a bunch of like weird um, uh, three-letter codes because at the time, you know, we couldn't fit more data in to the record. And so there's all sorts of weirdnesses about it, but, but nobody's talking about moving it. <laughs> On the other hand, yeah. um, I, I work for another company that had some guy who built a database based on Fox Pro back in the, I don't know, must have been in the mid-90s sometime. Maybe it was earlier than that. And, um, you know, it was it was sort of one guy did it. And, and, you know, the company is sort of stuck with this incredibly awful thing. <laughs> and it's not a big database. It's got, you know... Maybe a couple thousand records in it, but you know they they don't want to take the time or effort to like move it because it's not and, millions of dollars. But <laughs> and a lot of the space program is is like that in that at the time these especially databases, but all sorts of information bases uh, got created. They were stuck with whatever was available at the time, and if you didn't, mm. if Oracle wasn't agile enough there were lots of little uh pc databases so the, yeah. the legacy and the space program you know s databases from 30 40 years ago and they're still there and they have to run uh, but this platform thing what you guys are making me think about is that there are what rob was saying ways to standardize and whatnot and for standard stuff that people standardize on within the company, you can consider that legacy. What you need is your platform team to be able to maintain the legacy, but also work with teams that are working outside of the legacy. You need some greenfield advisors for the greenfield folks. This is, this is why the platform team can't be the office. No, it has to be. Um, Go ahead. It has to be a, an agile team, one of which does, actually maintains the legacy stuff, but also advises best of breed for the greenfield. I, I, I would be hesitant to, to call, <laughs> to, to use the legacy label. I, 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 would, I, would, yeah. I would think that established would be a, a better choice <laughs> because legacy has the implication that that it's it's on the way out which might not be the case yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't know but i i, I completely going anywhere yeah <laughs> i i can see i mean let's take kubernetes as an example though i could see companies a company coming back doesn't even have to be a big company saying all right we're using kubernetes in six or seven different ways you know it's not benefiting anybody for us to have so much variation around Kubernetes. It's it's a it needs to be a centralized skill set. So let's build it. You know, let, let's take the platform team. Let's have them 
you know, establish a Kubernetes center of excellence and then start saying, all right, let's look at these six different ways we're using Kubernetes and then standardize them so that we can support all six of them. Exactly. Um, like it, it, it's not necessarily that a platform free platform team will, will come and, and look at you and say, oh, you're using VMs, you're using containers. Everybody pick up and we're shifting to Kubernetes. It's not that. It, it's right. that you 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 find yourself having five teams that don't talk to each other, each of them having independently implemented their Kubernetes solution. And now you, you're starting to look at the big picture and say, we could standardize this because there's sufficient demand. This, this is this is the chicken. There's a, there's there's not this is not a chicken or the and the egg problem. What we're saying, I think, is that the platform team follows the pattern that the organization is using. It doesn't impose the pattern. Exactly. If it's going to work, why their solutions architect? Like they 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 need to to do requirement specification first. If they don't do that. Then they then they've already failed. So question, what, what, question I have ahead, is 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 that sustainable in a scenario where you've got yes we're going Kubernetes but Kubernetes for us means some Rancher, some Tanzu, some OpenShift, and some public cloud managed Kubernetes platform team figure out how to normalize that across all of those. Well, but this is no Martez. That's no different than you know. As companies were moving their stuff to the cloud, I mean, I remember working with a client who who their IT team hired us to kind of review their cloud use. And we came back and said, you know, you have 41 instances of Salesforce. Do you know that? And they were like, no, we have no clue. <laughs> yeah, my, my concern is we're, we're simply inserting new buzzwords for the same problems that we're going to continue to run into. Yep. That that is yeah. was where my thought point thought that's where I was starting from with this platform, exactly. you know, sort of this platform. But I, I don't think so. I actually think that there's a that there is a consolidation in IT coming, not from the like we're gonna force everything to consolidate, but I think we're learning how to use this stuff and and we're gonna cut down the number of patterns. And I think from that perspective, platform teams are practical. It's an evolutionary change, not a revolutionary change. Um, in a sense, you can look at the platform team as something that has been done anyway throughout the history of, 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 of IT companies. It's just now we've put a label on it. Uh, and and we, we, we formalize the responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah, yes, but I think what that's causing us as an industry to do is to chase that team title. And whereas previously folks organically grew into that, I think now more often than not, there's the desire to shortcut right to that, where I may not have the years of development experience or the years of operations experience. And now instead of evolving to that after 10, 15, 20 years of experience, I'm jumping right into that after two years of practical experience that might not have a lot of depth or breadth. Yes, uh, although that is an endemic problem with industry anyway. Like, yeah, no, no, no matter what, whether you, you're talking about platform teams or you're talking about agile or or uh, object oriented programming, uh, it 
anytime there, there, there's a there's a new password that there, there's going to be a, a a bandwagon following it right um, well, and you have the operate and then you have the the um the contract you know the uh headhunters going oh well you need uh you know you need the specific version of linux otherwise you know we're not even going to talk to you like, linux are you kidding <laughs> like linux is linux you know <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but you need Gen two. This is the well, but the, the challenge is what we keep we keep jumping back to. The platform teams need to have a degree of of expertise and flexibility that is yeah. rare, more rarefied talent. Yeah, right. I mean, ideally, your, your platform team would be constructed out of constructed internally out of your existing subject matter experts, right? Because they already know what the teams need and want. Uh, and then you might complement it with with new hires and, and, and build on top of it. But but you you wouldn't hire externally for a platform team. At least you shouldn't hire externally. Shouldn't is a keyword. That's how you end up with the problem of them a platform team imposing a pattern rather than right. uh, pulling to, like imposing versus exposing. Well, Paul, and that's why we, we do that. I mean, we, we don't, I mean, those people that do the operational excellence are never from outside. The people that are the tier three solutions architects are never from outside. You, you can't. But the, yeah. But the issue is, is that uh, right now it's like Kubernetes expertise is in really high demand. And most of these companies that have their, their excellence teams don't have the Kubernetes. And it takes a long time to learn it up. But uh, these companies are creating platform teams because the expertise is rare. So they don't have the luxury of having multiple teams with that expertise. Kubernetes is particularly interesting because it is still a relatively young technology uh, compared to like, like with, with Kubernetes, it, it makes sense to seek external expertise if you don't have it internally, because you likely don't ha don't have an established Kubernetes platform that that you're looking to to optimize. You 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 are growing into Kubernetes, and you and you're saying like, okay, I need expertise to help me with the transition. So that that is not the same as saying as for example. Uh, let, let's say you, you, you have Nagios configured for your modern solution and, 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 and it's working fine uh, and you want to build a platform team for your monitoring. You wouldn't hire someone who who doesn't know Nagios but only knows Prometheus and, and then who comes and tells you, well, everybody, abandon ship with Nagios, let's go to Prometheus. <laughs> I mean, it, it might be the it might be technologically better, but it's, it's not necessarily the right solution. Right. Leadership. Hey, there's leadership nothing wrong with my ideas. Right. And uh, on that, we are, we are over time. So yes, uh, I like I like where we got. I have more questions, so maybe I'll put this back on the agenda and have deeper content. Yet more. This was already a deep conversation. It's cool. Yes. Thank you all. Yeah. Fun. It was good. Thank you. A lot of good thinking on it. Thank you. Yep. Cheers. Bye -bye. Wow. Really powerful conversation. 
because all of us have our battle scars from the past around IT teams that overcorrected became the department of no. Whereas modern platform teams to be effective really are center of excellence, but more really helping organizations to reduce toil, improve governance, and have a much more consistent IT experience, which I would expect everybody in the company should care about. If this conversation is interesting, we will go back to platform teams and we have amazing conversations like this all the time. Please join us at the 2030.cloud and have your voice in the conversation too. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.